All right, good morning. It's wonderful to see you all visiting. Afterwards, we'll have coffee out in the lobby area. Just stick around and, and say hi. Uh, we are studying uh, the Gospel of Mark. We've been in there for a little while. We're continuing that today. Uh, we're studying uh, through that uh, Gospel of Mark. We're studying the life of Jesus Christ, His ministry. And today we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. We're going to read verses 38 through 44. And uh, this part of the book that we're in, in Mark, we're calling it The Road You Don't Expect. There's lots of twists and turns and surprises as we walk out Jesus' last days on earth, his last days of his earthly ministry. And today we're going to look at a familiar story, uh, probably to a few people here, maybe not everyone, but... Uh, to a few that are watching in or here. And I want to warn you uh, today uh, to be ready for the unexpected. So please stand with me as I read uh, our scripture reading for today. Again, Mark chapter 12, 38 through 44, found on page 1302 in the Journey Bible. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' homes and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. And Jesus uh, then sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put into the treasury more than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. This is God's word. You may be seated. The familiar understanding of this passage, and there certainly is a familiar one if you are familiar with such things, is that Jesus is laying out teaching on how to give. That's kind of the traditional view of this passage. You see, Jesus is pointing out the extraordinary gift of of this poor widow. Look. She gave more than the rich. She gave all she had to live on. So the big question here this morning, is this a teaching, is this a passage on generosity? Is it a fundraising text? Some of you are probably saying, I hope not. Where's the door? You know where the doors are at so you can get out. You might be thinking, hold on to your wallet, right? I'm going to throw you a curveball today. 
This passage, it's not on how to give, but it's more on how not to give. That's what this passage is about. So your wallet is safe this morning. A collective sigh, right? Well, let me give you a few quick reasons why I'm going against the traditional understanding of this passage. Um, First of all, the context. When you are studying the Bible, just remember this. Context is king. Context, of course, is referring to the circumstances, the background that helps properly understand and interpret the passage. In other words, what is going on in the passage? Okay? And uh, we find that the passage is not about how to give. It's the context is Jesus is confronting and condemning the religious leaders for their ways. He's confronting their pride, their greed, their hypocrisy. And in the midst of Jesus' denunciation of the religious leaders, He's not giving a quick sermon on generous sacrificial giving. It's just not there. It doesn't make sense. So it's not in the context. Secondly, it doesn't align with what Jesus is saying. What does He say? What is Jesus saying? He, Jesus is not commending the widow's actions here. He's not condemning her either, but he's not commending. Uh, he, when he does this in other passages, when he's, he'll say something like, um, he'll say, go and do likewise. Or he'll say, such is the kingdom of God. He doesn't say that here. What he does is he calls his disciples to him and he's making observations. Look what he says, verse 43 again. Calling his disciples, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put into the treasury more than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all that she had to live on. He's more saying, look at what this system is doing to this poor lady. So it's not the context. It doesn't align with what Jesus is saying. And here's another reason why it's not how to give, uh, you know, um, giving until you're penniless and destitute. It's not taught in the Bible. Giving is taught in the Bible, but not that type of giving. What is taught in the Bible is for us to work, to earn, to support ourselves, to take care of our families, to be aware of those who are in need in our families and to take care of them, and then to give to those others who have need. This is Ephesians 4, lays that out. The Bible certainly teaches to prioritize heavenly treasure over earthly possessions but not to the point where we can't take care of ourselves. Anybody ever fly in an airplane? Raise your hand. What happens when the cabin loses pressure? The little masks come down. You remember that? Everybody with me? The little masks come down. And what's the first thing you're supposed to do? Somebody tell me. 
Help your kids. Help the needy. No. Put it on yourself first. Like, take care of yourself so that you can help others. That's the teaching of the Bible. So here's the main point of this passage. Let's get to what it is about. Watch out. God judges financial manipulation. Watch out. Watch out. God judges financial manipulation. We sang it earlier. God is holy. God is just. God is righteous. And we need to be reminded of that. I'm a leader. I need to be reminded of that. If you're leading your family, you need to be reminded of that. And what it means that God is holy is that He brings justice to all matters. He must judge. And He must bring um, justice to all things. So, here's our structure today. Two things to watch out for. Here's the first one. Number one, beware of false teaching on finances. Beware. Beware. That's the original word here. Beware of false teaching on financing. We need to beware that there is teaching sometimes given by religious leaders that is false. Okay, so verse 38, that's where the word beware is. It's the Greek word blepo. And I just bring it up because the Greek language, the original language of the New Testament, is a more nuanced, more specific language than English. So you have six different words for see. And they all have a unique definition and bring something to to bear. This word blepo, it means to see with critique in mind. Kind of like this. Brenda and I, we go shopping. She says, hey, go over there and get a shirt. So I go over there and I get a shirt. I grab one. This looks okay. So I go over there and she starts to look at it. She starts to critique it. And somehow, some way, she sees this little thread that's pulled out on that shirt that I never saw. And the first thing I want to do is pull it, right? (laughs) Don't pull that! (laughs) Keep your hands off of that. Because she's looking at it with scrutiny, and I didn't. I just said, this looks nice. This will work for me. And so that, that's what this is about. It's like, inspect. Don't just automatically assume everyone has the right intentions. Who? Who are we talking about here? Um, if we go back again to the original language, it's the scribes. That's the word. Grammatus. The scribes. Specifically in this passage, that is who... Jesus is saying, beware of. The scribes were the theologians. They were the rabbinic scholars. They were known as lawyers because they practiced the law. They presided over legal proceedings. They got in their position uh, by succession from Moses. They traced their succession back to Moses. So it, ha- it came with that authority. They knew the law, the Torah. And they knew their traditions that were linked up to the law. See, they had the Bible, and then they had certain things that you do as a result of what the Bible says. 
And they were experts in that. This is what Jesus says about them. The scribes like to walk around with flowing robes. Be greeted in the marketplaces. Sit in the best seats in the synagogue and reclining at the table at a banquet. They want the best seat. They want to be seen. Make lengthy prayers for show. Much of what they do is this. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. I'm the leader. Hey, look at me. I am in charge. Look at me. I have position. And it doesn't take much to realize that's very shallow and very selfish. And and it's a faith that appears very insincere and ungenuine. But the one phrase in this passage that takes it to another level is this phrase. Verse 40, it says, They devour widows' houses. What does that mean? Were they termites? (laughs) No. Not literally. It's not to be taken literally. It's a metaphor. It means exploiting. To take advantage of someone. And they were taking advantage of widows. Those who were some of the most vulnerable in society. You can imagine a situation, and I read about this as I studied this passage, a situation where one of the scribes is presiding over a legal proceeding and representing the widow, and let's say she's cash poor, but house rich. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Not much money in the bank, but man, I got some money in my house. I got a nice house here. And so you can imagine a situation having lost her husband where she doesn't have much money on hand but has it all tied up in the house and, uh, and she's told you have to sign your house over to me in order to pay me. Beware! You see, uh, these leaders, they have an outward display of piety but they engage in practices that are wrong that are unjust. It's not the first time that Jesus has confronted uh, the religious leaders, the scribes, and so on. Uh, Let's go over to Mark chapter 7. We actually looked at this passage a number of months ago. Mark chapter 7, uh, verses 9 through 13. We'll put it on the screen. And he continued, uh, again, he's confronting them. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. That's that's what it says in the Torah. Verse uh, 11 there. But, or the next verse, excuse me. uh, But you say that if anyone declares that which might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God. Corban was a specific sacrifice given at the temple to God. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the Word of God by your tradition that you've handed down and you do many things like them. You see, the 
the religious leaders had built a system that that influenced people to neglect the commands of God for a tradition where they could offer a, a financial gift at the temple to, in their mind, win the favor of God and securing a pardon from God. You see, this is false teaching. And this is what was impacting what was going on. And and it's happened, there's examples of this through the ages, right? In the Middle Ages, the indulgences of the Catholic Church, the indulgences that could be bought to reduce the amount of punishment that one had to undergo for sins. It was something Martin Luther in the Reformation stood up against. And today, uh, some churches that um, we might call prosperity gospel churches, um, they, where they believe that the gospel brings financial prosperity. Financial prosperity is promised to anyone who accepts the gospel. And uh, consequently, many lower income uh, people are drawn, many vulnerable people are drawn uh, to that teaching that, you know, God will bless you if you give. God will bless you if you give all that you have. And it's kind of the philosophy of give so that you will get. And what Jesus is saying here, it's really scary. It's really scary to me. Why? I'm a religious leader. I'm a religious leader that is involved in a church that has a religious system. And God is laying this out here in His Word. Beware. Beware of immoral people. Beware of immoral leaders who are running a rigged system. Watch out for swindlers and watch out for schemes. So that's the first point. Let's move on to the next one. Be aware. Did you notice beware? And now we got two words. Be aware of the vulnerable in your life that need care. Be aware. Uh, Verse 41, that's where we're going to go. So Jesus walks in, and I've got a picture. Could you put the picture up there of uh, in Jerusalem, this is where I got to go here just this past summer with some people from Genesis. And uh, that's the Wailing Wall in the back, the Western Wall, where the Jews go up and lay their hands and they wail, they call for God to bring His kingdom back on earth, the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of God. And on this side of it that you can't see, but this is where the court was at that Jesus would have been in. It's called the Court of the Women back in the day, and it was a part of the temple where women and men could come. And sort of like on that wall back there, it was sort of like this, there was a place where the treasury would be taken. And so the people would come up, and there were like these brass funnels that went down into the actual treasury. And so people would come up, and they would put their coins in, and the coins would clank. They would make a noise as they rattle around and go down into the treasury. And guess what? The louder the noise, the more money that was put in. Okay. And so verse 41, though, there's a word here. It's another C word. Remember I said blepo is like critiquing, you know, somebody looking at a shirt and finding the problems with it. 
Um, verse 41, here's another word, he watched. Jesus watched. And it's a different word, and it means to look intently to understand. So Jesus, he, he finds a spot, he grabs a seat, he sees these different people coming up, and they're putting their offerings in, and it's clanking, right? And he's seeing them. He sees the rich. He sees uh, these different people. He's intently looking at them. He's contemplating them. You ever get choked up when you watch a show, like a, a drama? Anybody here? Come on, guys. Be real. Like, oh, man, it just hits you hard. And it's because you, you've heard someone's story and you've seen what they've had to go through and what they've had to overcome, and it, it just it hits you. You know what I'm talking about? That's this word, look. It's to look at someone, to, to empathize, to be touched by their life, and empathy is flowing. And this is something I want to say to you here today. You may be here and you may be like, nobody cares about me. You may be watching, nobody cares about me. Nobody knows me. I want you to know this. The Lord Jesus knows you. And he cares about you. And his heart breaks for you. We see that over and over in the scripture. He looks at people. He didn't have to do the five different meetings and 20 hours of talking to get at what your story is. He looks at you and he sees it. And his heart breaks for you. And that's what we see here. We see empathy. We see love. We see care. So the rich people, they come up to give and they clank away. And then he sees a poor widow. Um, the, the Bible has a lot to say about widows. First Timothy chapter 5. Many other places. And one thing to think about is that um, there are widows and then there are poor widows. And he is seeing a poor widow, a widow who is destitute. And what does it say? She, she gave two lepta, uh, two coins. Mites actually comes from the King James uh, Version era. Uh, they weren't mites back then. They were lepta. And let me show you a picture of them. They're, they were um, you know, stamped way back then, uh, very uh, crudely uh, back in the day. And here's two examples. We actually bought one for my mother-in-law when we were there. An actual, you know, widow's mite, they would call it. And it was the smallest and least valuable coin in circulation in Judea. It was worth one sixty-fourth of a person's daily wage. One sixty-fourth. It was enough money, one commentator said, to buy a handful of flour. Enough to make a biscuit for breakfast. And the question we may ask, why would she give it away? Why would she give what she had to live on away? Her motives here are not shared. Her motives aren't shared. We can speculate, and it's fair to speculate. I'm certain she meant to do good, but I believe she was influenced by corrupt teaching. False teaching. And Jesus says this on the sidelines to his disciples. She gave everything she had to live on. Here's a system where a poor widow gives her last financial resources to the temple. And that money that goes to the temple, it buys the supplies and it supports the salaries 
of the priests and the scribes. Not commendable, but outrageous. I I feel this way uh, as I read this, as I studied this passage. I have a brother who has cognitive disabilities. He lives in Muskegon. And over the years, more times than I can count, he's become the prey of different people who want the very little that he has. And it outrages me. It upsets me. And I think this is how Jesus looks at this. This situation. These religious people are praying on this poor widow. Not only that, they're influencing people to give to hear the noise of it. They're influencing people to give to hear the clank of their of their gifts. To be noticed by others. And Jesus talks about this. We don't have time to look at it. But Jesus talks about do not give your gifts to be noticed by others. You've received your reward for that if you do. He says that in the Sermon on the Mount. They're, they're giving to be noticed. They're not giving to care about the people around them. The vulnerable people that are right there. I believe Jesus is angered by this. I believe he's filled with indignation about this. The scribes have impoverished her. There are people who could help her, and but they're distracted away from that. They're disinterested in that. They're giving to another system. And what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? Mark 12:40, "These men will be punished most severely." That's a wake up. Uh, Scott next week, Pastor Scott's going to teach on the next passage, which is in Mark chapter 13. Scott, I won't rob it all from you. But we go into that, and what's happening is they're looking at the temple, and the disciples are saying, look at the beautiful stones, look at the magnificent structure. And Jesus says uh, to them, He says, not one stone will be left standing And he speaks judgment on it. And if you know history, you know in 70 AD, the Romans came in and they destroyed it. And I saw the big piles of rubble 2,000 years later, today, from that time. He spoke judgment on what was going on. These words give me great pause in my ministry. In what way am I vulnerable to false teaching about finances. And it's something that we all need to be thinking about and aware of. So how do we heed Jesus' warning and watch out for financial manipulation? How do we heed Jesus' warning to watch out? Let me give you two quick things as we end up. First of all here, examine your giving. Examine your giving. On two levels. First of all, on the personal level. Are you falling for any false teaching in your giving? Are you uh, falling for any bad motives in your giving? Are you giving for the noise of it? To be noticed by others? Are, Are you giving to get? 
You know, like, I'm going to give this because then God will give me. And I really believe the poor widow, I believe she was sucked into that. Is that you? On an organizational level, who are you giving to? What organizations do you give to? Have you examined the leaders? Are you aware of their teaching and philosophy, the philosophy of the organization? Let me just give you a few things that I think are really important on this level, things that I think about. Number one, an organization, a church, what have you, should have a clear mission and vision. This is what we're doing. This is what we're about. If you're just kind of visiting Genesis trying to figure it out, I greatly encourage you to go to the Welcome Lunch, to the Engage 101, where we talk about what we're doing here, why we're here. You need to know that. Secondly, of great importance, is a plurality of leaders. Not just one leader. A plurality of leaders. And I am so grateful for a church with so many able and competent leaders that hold me accountable and challenge me. My God, the, the leaders of Genesis are not yes men or yes women. Um, and so there's very robust conversation that goes on about things. I think that is so important, a plurality of leaders. And, and an openness, thirdly, an openness with the finances. Like, how does this get used and what's happening with that? And at Genesis, um, we encourage people uh, to give, like as an individual, to give. We encourage, um, you know, with 10% being kind of a general principle, not a strict rule. As a church, we give away 11% to our ministry partners who are doing Christ ministry in different parts of our community, our region, and our world. The family talk is tonight, and I just encourage you to come out to that so that you can hear, so that you can look at that garment and see if there's any snags on it, okay? So examine your giving. Secondly, notice those who need your help. Notice those in your life that need your help, those vulnerable ones that are right around you. God commands that we care for the widows the orphans in their affliction. We care for the foreigner. We care for um, the infirmed. In your family, are you doing that? The first responsibility is to family. And for those around you, be aware of ways you could help. So um, here's my next step for today for you. If you would please stand, and in just a moment, I'm going to have one of our elders, Rod, pray, and then we are going to sing, and then we'll be dismissed. But here's, here's the next step. It's a question. What do you need to do today to align yourself with Christ's teaching? What do you need to do? You know, we can make mistakes. We can follow uh, incorrect theology and teaching. We can hurt people and then we can realize it and we can turn from it we can repent we can find forgiveness that's the gospel that's what Genesis stands for we're broken and sinful God shows us the way we turn to it, we admit and we're forgiven, it's wonderful
So um, what are some ways? Maybe you've bought into a falsehood and you need to repent of it. You need to turn from it. I encourage you to do that. Maybe you're so preoccupied with other matters in life, you've not done due diligence on where you're giving your money to. And you need to repent of that. Maybe you're just wholly unaware of the vulnerable people in your life and you haven't let God develop that empathy in you for them. Would you come now, Rod, and pray? remain standing and join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we we come before you in the the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the truth that is in your word. Thank you that it speaks to us. Thank you that there's strength in your word. There's clarity. Thank you for the way that Jesus speaks within your word. Thank you for your scriptures. Lord, I pray now that as we respond to the truth of your word, that you would affect us, that you would speak into our lives as we go forth. May we have a deeper understanding of who you are and what you have called us to the lives that you want us to lead. Lord, this passage shows us that we need to be aware. We need to be thinking of others around us. We need to be understanding of the influences in our own lives that may take us away from your direction and your guidance and what you want. And and, and God, there are things even within our own lives and certainly within our world that take us away from the justice that you demand. God, please open our eyes, soften our hearts to see, to see truth, to see how you are leading us, to see what you want in our lives. As a church, God, may we be humble enough to bow before you, to confess when we are off track with that. So God, please, we, we ask for you to show your direction to us. Forgive us, Father, when we go astray. Lead us in paths, God, that are merciful and just and reflect your love. Amen.